guys. Welcome to The Mom Voice. This is Lauren and Sarah with episode 69. Okay, Lauren, I'm so excited because we have Miss Elise Hunter sitting across from us today. And Elise, I've been tracking you down for months now. (laughs) I really have. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. Um, And we finally... Oh my gosh, this is going to be a nightmare. (laughs) You guys should see us. We're sharing a microphone for the first time ever. We're sitting in a... I feel like we're like a two-headed... I'm not even cutting it. I'm not... We're Siamese twins. Right I feel now. like we're two headed monster here. Let us, yeah, we're Siamese twins. No, we are sitting in her beautiful den. She has some amazing DIY projects and it looks so good. We love it, Elise. Thank it looks really you. nice. Thank I know. You. So thanks for having us in your home. Um, we are going to be talking to you tonight about infertility, your journey with getting your beautiful little girls here. And then we'll probably parlay that into your DIY, your love for DIY. And I think it's important to note too, you have a master's degree in speech language pathology, mm-hmm. and that's also a passion for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's awesome. You're married to Scott. And like I said, you have two children, um, Lila and Grace. So let's dive in. Well, thanks for walking us into your home. Thanks for being here. I'm so yeah, happy to have you. We're so excited. So yeah, just share with us when you started, um, you know, that decision to have children and that journey, how did it begin? So we had been married for probably about a year and decided we wanted to have kids and uh, it just didn't go how you think it will go. You just think once you decide to have kids, it'll just happen. Uh, definitely. Right. You and no one wants to prepare for like no, the hardship of it. No. And especially my parents struggled with infertility. And they had me and then struggled. And so I was an only child for a long time asking for siblings. And so I felt like infertility was already part of my story and that was over. It was, even as a child, it was really hard. And uh, we finally, I was six when we adopted my brother. And then I was 16 when we adopted my sister. Oh, wow. So your mom never had another biological child. No, she did four rounds of IVF and... Mm. uh, and the miracle was adoption, and it was wonderful and great. And I was the first to hold my little brother when we went to to get him, and oh. it was amazing experience. But I also knew how hard it was, and I definitely didn't want that. Well, did you go into your you know childbearing years and all already worried that you might already have no, these? No, I not don't really. feel like I ever thought that I would experience that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it quickly realized it was not going to be easy. I had never had a consistent cycle. And so I feel like because of watching my parents, I was definitely more proactive than probably someone who hadn't already experienced infertility in some way in their life. So right, I went uh, pretty quick. I was like, I'm going to just get some baseline tests, went to a, a OBGYN and they're like, oh, you're not ovulating. And Here's Clomid, which is pretty much the Band-Aid. Any OBGYNs are not trained in infertility. And if someone comes to them and says, you know, I'm not getting pregnant, they just throw Clomid at them. Yes, we've had a few friends that I do I do know Clomid, yeah. that it's just kind of a common, yeah, yeah. try this first. Yep, they just kind of throw it at you, and it's not fun. Well, and no. what, what does Clomid do? I don't know much so about it. So it just increases the amount of eggs that you produce, is the hope and then helping you to ovulate. Okay, so at this point in your journey, do you know, I hate to use the word problem, but do you know what specific Mm -mm. issue is preventing you? And I honestly feel like um, some people will say, well, you're not really experiencing infertility yet because it's only been a few months, you know. 
But the second it's not happening and you realize something's off, you're experiencing infertility. And honestly, in some ways, that time of not knowing what was wrong and feeling very helpless and just taking a pill and not really knowing what was going on with my body was the hardest because you're in the dark and you just don't know what to do. And in some ways, when I got later in the process, I was doing everything that I could. And for me and my personality, doing everything and putting everything out there was somehow easier because I felt like I was totally proactive. Whereas when I was on Clomid, I was just sitting around waiting for something to happen Mm -hmm. and not knowing what was going on. Well, I know this is all about your journey, but I have to share. So with my first pregnancy, my first daughter, it took me seven, eight months Mm -hmm. to get pregnant. And I, I would not say I was at all battling infertility. I really think a lot of mine was like stress and just overthinking it and all the things. I don't know. But I can remember every month just getting my period and bre- being heartbroken, yeah. like crying Once in the you're shower. Ready, you're ready. You're so ready. Yeah. And so I can only imagine for a woman, and that's why my heart breaks for my friends who do really face yeah. this, is I so remember being in the shower on those and nights. it just builds. I and feel just like crying. each month the pain yeah, builds. Like I know. Each month that period comes, you it builds. Yeah. Even for someone who ends up never experiencing infertility, that hope of, you know, being pregnant. But um, no, Clomid also makes you crazy. Oh, what really? Oh, it's... <laughs> we literally just leaned in. What do you mean? Oh, it... Um, yeah, I'm sure people listening who have been on it will just be like, yes, raise their hand because yeah. it definitely, for most people really impacts your mental health and it impacts your health more each month you're on it. So Mm. OBGYNs will just throw Clomid at you and a lot of them aren't super educated on how long you should be on it. So I did six months on Clomid, which is most doctors will not do more than three Mm. and it builds and my mental health really took a toll. And in what way? Just feeling depressed. depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really depressed really just mopey, sad, really unmotivated, just not good. My husband, actually, when I ended up getting pregnant, I was like, am I a crazy pregnant lady? Like, are my hormones everywhere? He's like, not like Clomid. Like, yeah. So that was the worst. He was like, who are you? Mm -hmm. I was not myself. Mm. And I knew I wasn't myself. So how long, so you did it for six months. So at what point did you try, okay, we need to take this to the next step. So at the year mark, I was like, okay, I've been trying for a year. At six months when I went to the OBGYN, at a year mark, I said, I'm going to go to a fertility clinic and, you know, do more trained stuff there. And um, that's when we went and we went to Utah Fertility Clinic and found Dr. Conway. And I love her. She's (laughs) will always hold a special place in my heart. And just that very first meeting, she said, you're young and everything looks great. They do a, a... ultrasound right then and there and it just gives you a little bit of peace to like see even when I saw that I just had ovaries like there's part of you that's like do I have ovaries do I have absolutely you just don't know what's going on it felt just like a step towards something do you feel when is a good time so somebody's listening and they're Mm -hmm. a younger mother or they feel like they might be approaching the infertility yeah you know realm like what point do you feel like you need to seek out an infertility doctor versus an OBGYN? So the the biggest misconception about infertility is that you have to have a referral to go to an infertility specialist and you don't. Mm. You can go whenever you want. Mm-hmm. So if your cycle's all over the place, like I wish I would have just gone straight there. Like the six months on Clomid, 
I wish I wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. It just... Are infertility doctors MDs? Are they? They are endocrinologists. Yeah. Oh, okay. They're a specialized endocrinologist, a reproductive endocrinologist. So, did you ever get an official diagnosis of like what you know was hindering? No. So they, mine was um, unexplained. I had one. They do a test right off the bat before you get any treatments. They shoot this dye up and see if your tubes are open. Mm-hmm. It was very painful, especially because one of mine was closed. And they'll just keep pushing the dye to try to see if maybe there's just something that they can get it open. So they just kept pushing and pushing. Mm. And it, so I that, had that was a kidney infection. And it is like, a very ugh, yeah, low. it's not fun. There are a lot of fun things about mm-hmm. all those kind of tests. But so th- I did find out I had one tube that they weren't they weren't 100% sure if it was totally closed it's not like 100% sure exam but they were like this might be an issue but I once I was on the medications I ovulated well and I was definitely off before that but I had unexplained and my husband tested out fine so so did they put you on a di- another round of medications so I had done so there are two types of medications that do the same thing as Clomid so there's Clomid and then there's Famara and she was like, we're going to try Famara since you've done tons of Clomid and it's not great for your mental health. Famara does the same thing and doesn't affect your, it, it goes a different pathway. It doesn't affect your, your brain as much mm-hmm. and your hormones in like that way. So we did that. We started with a round of timed intercourse, which is the least invasive thing that a fertility clinic will do. So you take ovulation meds and you go in and they look and they watch and make sure that your um, follicles, which is a fancy term for your eggs, Mm -hmm. are growing and that they're getting to the right size. And then when they're the right size, you, you take a shot that forces you to ovulate. It's actually the, if I'm right, it's the pregnancy hormone. And so it forces your body into ovulating. Oh, wow. And then they just tell you specific times that you need to so it becomes, have fun with each other. Yeah, it, it, it kind of takes the fun out of Well, I was going to say, it becomes kind of clinical. Oh, yeah. Very clinical to get, it's, get it, it done. It just makes it kind of stressful, you know? Yeah. And um, so we, we only did one of those. And then the next step up is a, um, an IUI intrauterine insemination, artificial insemination. And explain that to me because I really don't know a lot of So it's kind of like, think of like a turkey baster. So you... Right, that's what they say. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that. It's the same thing as the timed intercourse, but then instead of, instead of having intercourse yourself, you, your husband or partner supplies the sperm. They wash it, which just gets the very best sperm and they shoot, they take, have you take this? They wash it. That's what they call it. That's what they call it. They clean those gents up. Yeah. They get them ready. They clean the swimmer. Polish them. Come on, you get ready. And then they, they shoot it up there with the turkey baster. Oh, okay. So they're not not putting them together. They're not like, what is that called? Where you take, is that IVF? That's That's in vitro. Yeah. So that's just that they're getting it right at the very best place at the very best time and the very best sperm so usually do your chances after three of those start declining so usually do three and we did three and they were all they all did not they were all negative yeah it is a roller yeah I mean how are you feeling at this point when all of those well it's hard because you at the at the beginning I felt like a renewed hope when I went to the infertility center my doctor was great and like, we're get, you'll be in and out of here in three months. When you're like, she gets me. Yeah. She knows. And she's they can a woman. see everything going on. We're doing everything that you can. My, my follicles are looking great. His sperm's looking great. Like this is it. Everything's going the best that it 
that it could. Mm-hmm. And it was crushing. It was crushing. And did it affect your relationship at any point? No. Like in a negative, like I did you, the biggest, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think the biggest tip, I feel like if anything, our relationship, the like more tense parts were during Clomid because I was pretty depressed and then not thinking as clearly. Right. Totally. And, um, but I quickly learned that we would grieve in different ways. Oh, I love that. Okay. Talk to us about that. So How did you get to that I couldn't, point? Well, and what do you I, mean by that? Um, he, guys handle infertility totally different than a woman, like completely. Because that was my plan forever. I shaped my whole life around becoming a mother. Mm-hmm. That was my goal. Right. So when, I, when that wasn't happening, that was like my foundation was right. ripped out. That mm-hmm. was why I got the career I got. That was why I had made all of the decisions that I had. And it was so much more earth shattering. Oh. Whereas I feel like my husband... He always planned on working and he always planned mm-hmm. on, and he, he was, he's also really positive, but it also wasn't, he checked out and nothing was his fault. It, you know, t- oh. no, nothing's anyone's fault, but do you know what right. I mean? I felt like, um, he would tell me, Elise, if this is it, like if we can't have kids and it's me and you for the rest of my life, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's sweet which is too. very sweet. But for me, I said, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. That's not what I pictured. Right. for my life. Right. And so we grieved differently. It carried different weights. And as soon as I realized that I couldn't expect him to grieve the way I did, and even if it didn't seem like he was sad, you never, you can't judge how someone grieves something. Agree. And it's not happening to their body. Right. And I think I've even learned that with yes. various things throughout pregnancy, our marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like he just, he, and he hates when I say this, when I say, you just don't get it. Or you just don't understand. My husband hates yeah. that. He's like, don't say that to me again. <laughs> and I also but feel like... I'm like, you don't get it. Come yeah. on. My husband, I feel like a lot of times felt like he needed to be my rock. Yeah. So he wasn't going to show me grieving, even though, you know, maybe that's what I wanted to see. He wanted to be strong for me too, because I was the one who's going through so much more physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely... I feel like as soon as I realized we grieved differently and that... Um, I needed to be patient with him and to just, I feel like we got closer. Mm-hmm. I feel like those kind of hard things, you either get closer or farther. And I felt like we leaned on each other. And yeah, I love that. It was, I, I, I mean, I have only dealt with like one situation like this. I've had a miscarriage mm-hmm. and I think it was, yeah, it's very similar. Like he grieved and handled it totally. very different than mm-hmm. I did. And I think it's just, it's it, when you have the expectation, you have, yeah. you want to hold the baby in your belly and all the things as women, it's just like such a different yeah. process. It's, it's just a whole different beast it's for a woman. Totally. And so, um, and every infertility journey is different. So like right. in some situations it could be the husband's sperm. That's yes. a problem. And then that would probably carry a totally different grief. Right. It does. And, the, Feeling and, that and responsible it roles might be something. switched a little bit. So that's the beast of infertility too, is that everyone's story is so different. And I have to wonder, because yours was unexplained, was that kind of maddening? Oh, to just totally. not know a root cause? Totally. Super frustrating. How to fix it. You just want to fix oh, it. Oh, yeah. And okay, for sure. You know? Yeah. But there's, and there's a lot of women out there. I mean, yeah. my sister did IVF too, and um, yeah, she never got an answer. And that's no. just like kind of 
something you just have to carry. You're just the unknown. Yeah. So let's move into you start IVF. Yes. What what does I mean, like we said, that's in vitro fertilization. What does that process look like, your day-to-day? Um, it's so much more extensive. Like, you're going from taking, like, some oral medication in one shot for one cycle. So that's in one month. Okay. You're doing about that. To then you're paying 10 times more. Like, it is, it's as much as a down payment on a home. Oh, I know. And which is one side of it that's hard. Mm-hmm. But then you go and you have, a, you have an IVF coordinator. They're so intense that you have a coordinator that gives you a map or gives you a calendar. Sorry, not a map. A calendar with what you take every day and how much of each shot you're taking every day. And when, you're, when your appointments are going, you come in multiple times a week to come check all the embryos, you're, or not embryos, the eggs that you're growing. And it is so extensive and overwhelming in so many ways so it's definitely a totally different beast was it hard to give yourself the shots I didn't do it my husband did it and is it once a day or is it twice a day the shots um I had five in the morning five yeah five actual pokes five shots five different shots (gasps) and then is it just once that that one time in the morning or do you have to do something at night just mine was just in the morning I mean everyone's schedule's different. Jeez, that's a lot of needles. Yeah, it's a and, lot. And he could do it every day for you, though. Yeah, you I never think had he kind of liked yourself. it. He felt, yeah. I mean, he didn't like hurting me, but he felt like a doctor yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, he felt really cool. <laughs> and are you doing this month after month? Or? So, so like, um, it depends on every IVF is a little bit different. So my first cycle, we kind of went at it one way. And my second cycle, we went at it a different way. There are lots of different ways, different medication combinations, you know, different things that they can try. So the first one, I took one little shot a day for like a month to prep my body. And then I took like four shots a day for a few weeks. And that's when they're trying to grow as many follicles or eggs as they can. So IVF, you, you do it the full nine months, correct? No, or no, how- no. So it's about, a, it's about probably two month process for one cycle, but that's just... That's just collecting the eggs. So they. Yes. So once you. Okay. Yes. So you right. go, you're going in you're and you're getting yes. the. You're getting. You're seeing how they're growing. You're adjusting yes. your medication, which is just a roller coaster in itself because right. you just. You want. You're. You're invested so much in every sense. Uh, you know. Totally. Physically, sense. spiritually, emotionally, like you are so. Financially, you know, you are just invested oh, yeah. in this. It has become your life. It is hard to focus on, anything else. It's hard to be, calm. It's you know. And, uh, so they, so you're on all the medications for a bit, then they want to get them to a certain size. And then you go in for the egg retrieval, which is like a surgery. Um, I actually have a pretty funny story about my first one. Let's hear it. (laughs) Go. Tell us. (laughs) Uh, So at my clinic, you pay the anesthesiologist separately and they're like a contracted employee. Right. And he, everyone had talked on, there's like a support group on Facebook and had talked about how the anesthesiologist was they're yes. like it's the best part of the day like at, yeah. at least we get something good when we go in there and he comes in and he looks like mcdreamy a oh, hundred oh, oh. wait a minute are you a grace fan uh, i've never watched it oh. oh but he looks like him. he looks like him oh my. so is exactly. he like an older like silver fox type? yes Ooh, yes okay. anyway so then he so they he's like I'm like, don't say anything dumb because you're going under, you know? I don't know. I was so worried. I was going to say, you're really attractive. And my husband's sitting right there. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Uh, anyways, but then he, 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 he puts you out and the doctor comes in and 
And it's insane. They take the little tiny follicles out of your ovaries. And I had 30. Oh, that's a good number, right? That's so you really usually high. make one to two yeah. on a normal cycle. That's My great. ovaries felt like pomegranates. You could like feel them. But wait a minute. I thought you were born with the... Am I wrong? I thought you were born with the eggs that you have. Oh, yeah. You totally are. So what do you mean? You, but you only... Have... So like in a cycle, the amount of hormones you get only grow a certain amount. So they're tiny, tiny, tiny. And then as you... As on your cycle, yes, they grow, yes, and then they ovulate. But you are born with all of them. Okay, they, it, okay. You might have to. I, I, you I'm might so have confused. to edit this out. But isn't that it? Your cycle, your period. You like dispose of like just, right? you just drop, one or two. Yeah, just is one it or just, two. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, you know, some people get pregnant with triplets naturally, I'm so, so drop a few. Okay, so no, so he he extracts the eggs. But so because I was shooting up so much of a normal hormone, so they're just increasing what you normally would do by, you know, 30%. Like you're making, or by, you know, tons. Yes. You're making so much more so that you get the most out of it because you're paying so much. Oh, absolutely. And your chances are better, like not the more you have, but the more you have at the right size. So. Absolutely. So from there they do the peach tree dish, right? So yeah, they take them out and then. You have the option of either just laying them in a bath of sperm and seeing if they fertilize or what's called ICSI. Okay. And ICSI is when they go under a microscope and they grab a sperm and they fertilize the egg. And is that where they can, because I know that with IVF, you can kind of determine male or female, right? Not with the sperm. Not with with the egg. But with the egg. And is that under the microscope when it's just one? So is that that's, the time a, that's can, genetic testing. That's, oh, that's after genetic a, a testing. More after elaborate. it's grown okay. a bit. Which they I can do that. crazy that you can even go that far. That's just yeah. crazy. My mind's kind of blown right now. I've so never heard details of IVF. So, it, so it's crazy. Most women don't even know all the things that their body is doing to right. get well, pregnant. Yeah. The obvious, I, the ex, I felt like we became experts in all these crazy things that you don't really even want to know. About. Even want to know or even need to know. But I think that's fascinating. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. So how do some women, I just know IVF, uh, some women end up with a lot of multiples, right? Yeah. How does that happen? So after you get your follicles out, then once they are fertilized, they're called embryos. Mm-hmm. And that is right. You know, that's inception, right? When they've got the the egg and the sperm. So we did ICSI because it, you're already spending so much. It was a little bit more and you're guaranteeing that they're all going to get fertilized mm. because you could go the other route and you just spent all this money with eggs and then none of them got fertilized mm. oh and they're, gosh. they're gone, right. you know? So we are like, yeah, we're, we're doing that. And then they watch them grow and see how they grow. And that's a whole nother roller coaster because you're getting calls about, okay, this many were mature and this many have already died off. And so I started with 30 and then by day two, I had 15. And then by day three, I had eight that had kept mm. growing. So, you know, they're just like if you in biology, the cells doubling, you know, the cells yeah. growing. And and so by day five is when you would transfer them when they're that's the age of the embryo that you put it in your uterus that it would then implant and create a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, I only had two. So I had gone from 30 to two. Mm-hmm. And it was that in and of itself was devastating because you've spent a lot of people go in thinking, okay, I'm spending tens of thousands of dollars. But 
I'm going to get multiple embryos and I will freeze a few. Freeze them. And yes. I will have my whole family. Like I'm making this investment, but I'm going to have my whole family. And that does happen for a lot of people. I know lots of friends that have, you know, they bank eight, 10 embryos, you know. And they freeze them and hold on mm-hmm. to them for the next and then And then a transfer is much easier yes. than a retrieval. So if, if you didn't get pregnant with the first transfer, you'd unfreeze one of your embryos mm-hmm. and you try mm-hmm. again. Yes. But I just had the two. Now, is that typical for the number to shrink no. down that small? Mm-hmm. So two was pretty shocking Yeah, again. my doctor was pretty shocked. And she was like, I think you should transfer both, which should have been a warning sign to me that maybe, because they really discourage you from transferring multiples. They don't want multiples. It's high risk for a mom. They really want you to just get pregnant with one mm-hmm. um, and definitely break the stereotype of getting pregnant with multiple so she tells you to do both. she says to do both okay so put it all in I mean that's it right Mm -hmm. and I was a little naive because IVF's the end all and your mind almost can't fathom it not working like you almost can't go there I mean I was like we're having twins and I had picked out a twin nursery you know you're looking at twin nurseries oh this is the the two car seats I would get I mean your mind as a woman just goes there because you already love your children even though they're not there yes yes they're in your heart way before they're in your body or in your arms absolutely and so I was so I felt pregnant already Mm -hmm. it's kind of how it feels I had those two embryos and they you know they were my babies they were only five days right but they were my babies and I was gonna have twins and 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 uh, so we transferred them and you can find out. So you, you wait 10 days to get the pregnancy test at the clinic mm-hmm. and it's a blood pregnancy test and they'll call you and it's the it's amount of HCG. It's a pregnancy hormone yeah, that's in right. your blood. And I I everyone does IVF differently, but I hated finding out waiting and finding out the results on the phone. Mm-hmm. Like I always felt kind of blindsided. And so I would always take pregnancy tests and just try oh, to find out first Yes, because oftentimes you can see a line before that and they're just kind of pushing it back mm-hmm. to be safe. Yeah. So with that um, first IVF, I took pregnancy test day six after transferring it was positive mm-hmm. and cried and just absolute so joy. Excited. I mean, just, you know, fall on the floor, happy, can't believe it. Yes. Tell my mom, you know, just tell the people close, so happy, like finally, just relief, you know. And then on the day of the blood test, it was, I was miscarrying already. So by day 10, they were already one or two, you know, but that was the hardest day of my whole life because you just can't picture IVF not working. And not only did it not work, but we didn't have any embryos. We were left with nothing. It was like we gave all of this. And we're back at square one. That's just heartbreaking. It was horrible. And crushing. And yeah. at that point, are you feeling like, okay, I need a break from this? Or are you wanting it's to just It's such a mix. I feel like ahead. infertility in every stage is a mix of emotions. Because mm-hmm. I just wanted it to be over. I just wanted a baby. So you want to push forward. But you also want it to be over in the sense like, I don't want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. I don't want to keep moving forward. Um, and everybody handles it differently. And everyone's personality is different. But for me, I only felt a little bit of relief if I was act- actively doing something. So right, I wanted right. to get back in. And my husband was like, I think we should take a break. My doctor wanted me to take a break and get on some vitamins, try some other things. So 
we did wait a bit of a little bit we went on a weekend vacation right to get away I mean yeah and how are you feeling through this are you just trying to distract yourself are you just devastated out of bed like I feel like yeah with that cycle I mean I was angry it was cycles of I was angry I was angry at God I was how could you how could you do this to me like I have done everything to create the place for a child to that's come in what that's I, healthy yes. and happy, a happy home. Like I have sacrificed so much to create this home. I think that is what is so hard for me as an observer and a friend of a lot of women who have infertility issues is there's so many good, good homes that yeah. are craving babies and children. Yeah. And it's like, why? And then there's why? so many situations yes. of people who aren't wanting right, or aren't prepared right. or aren't in a great place right. and are getting pregnant. It's hard to reconcile that. Well, it's unfair. Right. It's co- it feels completely unfair. And I remember crying to my mom one day and just saying, why would God do this to me? Mm-hmm. Like, why would God do this and to I me? And I think that's so normal well it's valid it's totally valid to feel that way but she it was such a blessing that my parents had been through infertility I mean I wish they wouldn't have had to go with through it right but most people don't get that most people don't get someone who's totally understands and have had has had those feelings and she said at least God's not doing this to you your body's doing this to you we live in an imperfect world with imperfect bodies but he's crying for you too he doesn't want this for you but he and and that helped me not push my anger towards him because if I would have distanced myself from him, then I really would have fallen away of just like happiness. He's the only way you get through it. For yeah. me, that would be having a connection with with God. And that was the darkest time because I was angry and I separated myself. Yeah. During um, that time. And and yeah. my mom helped me refocus and see that like see a new perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you do end up doing IVF again. Yes. Okay. Talk, so I mean, so we, it's we very that. similar. We get about the, we change a lot about how we did it. I added some extra meds that were extra expensive. You know, yeah. try to up it a little bit. And um, I mean, it did help a little bit. We ended up getting about thirty again retrieved, and then every day falling down. At the end, we had four. Mm-hmm. and which was double That's what we better. had the first time yes. it's still not great and we were disappointed with how much they fell off but we it was weird we almost felt like it was like a, a treatment that I had an illness of infertility and it didn't feel as hopeful it just felt like this we have to do this sure we felt that- a little numb just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. numb to the whole process we didn't it had hurt so much to get our hopes up that we almost felt hopeless well and you become kind of pessimistic towards yeah the whole thing. yeah and guarded you just don't want yes. that heartache yes yeah. so again. we were totally guarded we transferred to again and I w- got pregnant and um the numbers kind of wobbled at first like they were a little bit lower than they wanted them but then they jumped up really high so just another roller coaster and they're like nope you're for sure pregnant they've gotten into a healthy range and then I miscarried at six weeks Oh my gosh, I I am like on a roller coaster. I'm not, I'm like expecting we're going to move on and talk about the baby. And I did not realize there was just this much loss. And it was hard because I had been pessimistic and then I got pregnant and was finally hopeful. And then it was taken out again. And mentally I couldn't take any more. We had the two frozen, but I was just spent. Uh, Rightfully so. Yeah. 
I know. And how do we, I, I, I don't think I realized that miscarriage happened either. Yeah. That is just, that one was farther and, uh, harder in different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it was always a new hard experience. Oh my gosh. Yes. You've been through so much. Yeah. So then, um, we had the two frozen and we decided to, um, that I couldn't take another loss. And so my doctor said, you know, 95% of miscarriages are because the, the embryo is genetically abnormal. Mm. And, and what does that mean? So like a, a, something abnormal in the DNA. Oh. And so she said this, it's kind of new, but we can send, we can biopsy them, which I was like, they're tiny, but they can biopsy just the part that will be the, the embryonic sac, not the baby. And they'll send that biopsy off. But that has all the DNA. Is that not incredible? It's insane. And they biopsy it off. And then they send it off to be tested to see the whole DNA strand. And then they freeze it again. And then you get the results. That's like mind-blowing. It that really, really is. is. I mean, it's... You just think of all the things they've come evolved in. Oh, and especially come so far. my parents were one of like very early on for IVF. They had to travel to a place that would do it. And... It was very different. They would transfer like eight embryos because they thought it increased the chances. And now we know that's not true. Like totally different. It adapts every year where the science is. I mean, I think the first IVF baby was in the 80s. Oh my gosh. So it's not that long ago. It's very new technology technology and medical advancements. Medical advancements. That's the right word. So you do... Those two do turn out to be viable. No. Oh, no. No. So we, well, so we, so we said, let's send them off. And, and I get a call. I'm at work and I get a call and they're like, ah, we were, we were thawing them because they're frozen. We were thawing them and one of them just shriveled up and died in the thaw. And, and I was just like, are you kidding? Are 98% of embryos survived thought. And they're like, that one, if it didn't survive the thought, it was definitely not genetically normal. So then we just have one left. And the way it used to be, it's, it's changed now with paying for genetic testing. It's much more affordable now, even just in five years. But back then it was you paid a one lump sum for up to eight embryos. But we only had one. Mm. So we paid $5,000. Oh my and, gosh. And the... Um, the guy on the phone was like, do you want to test it? Like there, you had 60 embryos and all of them are gone. And you just have this one. Like odds are, odds are it's not going to be, right? Like overwhelmingly odds are it's not going to be. Do you want to pay for that? And in my haste, I just said, just test it. I mean, I was emotional because they just told me the other one didn't make it. So, but then I sat and thought about it. I called my husband. I said, we should put that money towards adoption, you know, and towards our next step. Like, there's no reason to, you know, and maybe later when we have the money, we can, te- we can keep it and test it and see then, you know, but I called back and they said, it's too late. We already, I oh it. Okay. But we started moving in other directions. We were very certain it would not be genetically normal. We started moving towards um, different options. There's, you can get egg donors. You, we looked into adoption. They're adopting an embryo. There are lots of ways you can go. And since it seemed to be my eggs weren't great. And, uh, but then we got the call. That Tell us good news, Elise. It was normal. Yay! They called me, the, the cl- clinic called me and they said, you will never believe. It. But I was so unprepared. And, and she said, do you want to know the gender? Oh, 
because they can see they can see it they can see it and of course i said yes but i wasn't thinking i probably should have waited for my husband (laughs) no no you have the right girl (laughs) you deserved a little bit of happiness the second that they told me it was a girl was the second it was a connection you know that i feel like just more more than i had ever known Mm -hmm. like but it was different i felt confident I was, I had never gotten that far. Yeah. And everything went well after that. Your pregnancy was fine. Yeah. It was, I mean, I was a little sick, you know? Yeah. I had some complications post-birth, but. And are you considered a high risk pregnancy after going through this? You are. Well, no, not just because of IVF. IVF pregnancy is totally normal. I was because of other underlying health issues, but. Gotcha. So, I mean. Wrapping up the IVF journey, are there any like tips, like looking back on your experience, are there be, any, anything be, you would say to a mom? so kind to yourself. What do you mean by that? So like, I feel like I was really hard on myself because you feel so many things. Like I had never felt so much, especially negative things. And I, I spent so much energy being mad at myself for feeling those things. Mm-hmm being frustrated with myself for not being able to control my anger or not being able to control my sadness or because I didn't want to feel those things. Nobody wants to feel those things. And as soon as I just gave myself the permission to feel them and to just, you know, my dad gave me a really good tip that I've labeled book ending feelings because I called him once before, I think we were at the clinic, I don't know, but I called him just crying and my dad's awesome. And he said, it's important to feel sad. It's important to feel and to let yourself feel those things, but it's important to put an end on them. Because if you just say, I'm sad and I'm sad all the time, then you'll spiral. But if you take control of the emotion and you say, I'm going to let myself feel this, but then in one day or in 20 minutes or in an hour or, you know, whatever your time period is that you're going to feel that I'm going to do something that makes me happy or I'm going to serve someone else or I'm going to go on a run or I'm going to, but it gave me the control back instead of the feelings controlling me. I felt like I took some control back in my life of, of being able to say, I feel these things, but I also am in slightly control of how I feel them when I feel them. I love that. Do you feel like at it, when did you, were you able to find like peace in it all? Cause I mean, it is such a role. When the coaster. baby was in my arms. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. You're like, I'm not going to take percent. a deep breath until no. the baby is born. Which is totally normal. I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Well, I w- there's always a part of you. And I, you know, I feel like even in a pregnancy that's not from IVF. That's, and then you will worry about that child for the rest of your life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you have to get truth. accompanied with worry. Like it's just going to be part of your life. Absolutely. So, I mean, do you feel like this whole process shook your faith at all? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it, anything that's really earth shattering will, will shake it. But it's the, I remember... I wrote in my journal when I realized that it was going to be a thing. Like there's a point where you realize, okay, I have infertility. Like this is going to be a journey. It's this is not, a trial for me. This is I, not this like is real. I'm yeah. not in that point where it's like, maybe, maybe not. And I said, I remember thinking I can either let this take me down or I can let it make me stronger. 
And I love that. And I think that's like an overarching theme and message with any any struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, death of a loved one, dealing with addiction, like whatever it is, it kind of goes back to give yourself that time frame, give yourself that limit, wallow in those feelings, fill those feelings, soak it all up, disengage, do whatever you need to do to deal. Mm -hmm. And then like you said, like turn outward. Yeah. Yeah. Have a plan, attack, go forward and don't let it control you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. But I mean, you know those people. You know those people who have gone through something hard and you see their strength. Mm-hmm. And But it's a choice. I it's know, a choice. and that's, I wanted that yeah. choice. And, I, I've and it's this. a choice you make every day. Yeah. I've it's not this. like I'm going to choose this at the beginning and now I'll be strong. It's a choice and it's a roller coaster of like, there was a month where I wasn't making that choice, where it was ruling me. I mean, it's a battle, but, but, Absolutely. but it's who comes out in the end. Yeah. No, absolutely. And yes, I, I totally agree. Did you have any um, like apps or anything that you liked to use? No. No, not really. No. Okay. <laughs> I didn't find, I think there's more advancement now with cycling, but I never really had a cycle. So none of those ever worked. Okay. Yes. No, for totally. me, but um, you know. And both of your babies are IVF? No. 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 Okay. So really quick, tell us about number two then. So we were, I was getting ready to like let's do this again my daughter was one and then I went in to have my hormones tested and I found out I had Graves disease my thyroid was everywhere and they said you got to get this under control before you get pregnant or before you do IVF Mm -hmm. we can't you can't do IVF with your hormones all out of whack so it felt like another stumbling block you're like are you kidding I really was just like what next you know Almost humorous in a way at that point. Yeah, I know. And uh, I mean, I I feel like with the second time around, it, the feelings are very similar, but I also had a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, I was so I was like, if this is it, I'm I'm OK. But I love that perspective because um, I do think some some women are slower to come to that, like mm-hmm. being OK with that. If and they it, had envisioned a family of yes. eight or and seven or six. And I think it's six. different if. For me, having never, I didn't have any children when I was going through IVF. And so just to have one, especially all the stumbling blocks and all the, I was just so overjoyed. You got But that rainbow. doesn't discount. So it's called secondary infertility if you already have a child and then you can't have another. Mm-hmm. And that was what my parents experienced. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't take away from that being any less painful. Oh, I absolutely. really learned that through all of that, I became a much more empathetic person experiencing grief myself and I also learned that grief is very relative right that it doesn't that something that that I can't say well that's not as big of a trial as my trial Mm -hmm. like to the person experiencing it it's big oh absolutely and that's all that matters if they're hurting that's all that matters yeah a hundred percent so tell us how you found out you were pregnant so I uh was on these drugs for for my Graves disease that I knew you couldn't take if you were pregnant. And one morning I woke up and I went, I always took them in the morning and I had it in my hand and I just had this prompting to go take a pregnancy test. And I hate pregnancy tests. I mean, I've taken hundreds and hundreds and I hate them. Right. <laughs> and right. I was like, I'm not going to do that. And then I went to take it and another like prompting, go take a pregnancy test. And I was like, oh, fine, I will go. Take a pregnancy test. I took it, just set it down immediately. Two bright lines. 
Oh. My husband wow. had no clue I was taking pregnancy tests, had no clue I had any, because I didn't have any inkling to, at all. It was very early, which was great because then there was no problem with taking the meds. The I, was, I was all right. I stopped right away. Um, but yeah, I screamed, I'm pregnant to my husband. My husband's first response, we just saved so much money. Oh. <laughs> Is that not the truth though? Oh my God. Oh, IVF's expensive. We'd oh already done it gosh. twice. So, oh, what a miracle. But it was, it was a total miracle. And uh, I'm so grateful. It's not how it is for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, but I just love those stories. Where we have close friends um, of my husband's actually, where they tried for like 15 years, they adopted two children, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they got pregnant. Yeah. Yep. And it's there, like, oh my gosh. There are a lot of stories of all kinds of crazy things happening. Miracles. Miracles. Yes. But it's, you can't, I don't know. One of the problems that I found with infertility for those who are listening who haven't experienced infertility one of the hardest things when you tell someone is when people just say oh my cousin did this and my aunt did this Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like and Mm -hmm. oh have you tried this and they did this they just want to hear I'm sorry yes okay that's good to know yes if you don't know what to say to someone going through infertility you say, I'm so sorry that you are experiencing this. And is that enough? I mean, how 100%. can we support them? That is enough to say, I'm so sorry. I love you. Mm-hmm. I am so sorry. This is unfair. Right, right. I wish I could fix this for you. Mm-hmm. You know, how can I help you? I know. Just reinforce those feelings that yeah. you know they're having. Yeah, because when you, yes. when you say, my aunt did this or it gives the impression that they think you're not trying things oh, or that you absolutely. haven't looked into everything. And it's like, you don't understand. I have looked into everything. Like, oh, yeah, I have done everything. And if someone asks for your advice or asked, do you knew anyone or, you know, that's when you're open. Most people only ask for advice from someone who's been through infertility. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's so fair. Yeah. I think that's yeah. so valid, but I do think, I mean, Lauren and I ourselves, we are always, asking ourselves that question like how can we support that's one of the biggest questions I get and I think the things that helped me the most were not hesitating to sometimes it's uncomfortable it's not the easiest thing to talk about or the easiest thing to know about someone else and especially when you don't know what it's like to know how to help someone Mm -hmm. but good examples in my experience are just trying because as someone going through it I learned very quickly that people would say things that were insensitive, but that doesn't mean if that's only going to hurt me if I let it hurt me. Mm-hmm. That's a good perspective. Because they're most of the time their intentions are good. And of course, sometimes it's like, oh goodness, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was a little insensitive or frustrating. And you think it for a second, but to not dwell on it because it's going to happen. And it made me realize that I probably say insensitive things about other people's things. It made me very much just resort to, I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's a very safe thing that validates someone, what they're going through. And yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I think so many people are curious about IVF who yeah. don't go through it. I mean, I've always been, and I've never really had a detailed account like this. Yeah. So this is really good to know. Um, I have to switch gears a little bit because 
we love following you, like I said, on Instagram. You are always doing DIY projects. It's my new obsession. Yes. And girl, you man a power tool. It's like, so fun. You, she built this swing that we're st- looking no, at. Girl. I, I know she did. Now, I, I, um, only, I'm a new follow to you more in the last few you know, months. Now, what came first? Like kind of having the extra time because you didn't have babies, so you worked on the house, or the babies came and you wanted to create the home. I have always loved home so, stuff, like okay, HGTV. Yes. When I was young, and I'd go to Home Depot, I just ask for the magazines that had the floor plans, and, and I got Sims just so I could make the home. I did too. Yes, never played with the actual Sims. people. No, just wanted to build all these homes and decorate That's them. Hilarious. So I've always loved that. And my mom loves that. And we'd always, you know, when we first, got, when I first got married, my mom and I went and decorated the whole apartment. And so you know? how did you start doing all these things yourself instead so of encouraging the, the husband to yeah, do Yeah, the it? building things, my husband took like woodworking in high school and is very handy. And so there were a few things that I was like, I like this. We should do this. And so in our old house, he would do it and I'd watch him. But He's very good at empowering me and he'd be like, okay, your turn, you know, you use this tool. And for a long time, I was like, no, no, I don't want to touch that. And, uh, but then once we do one and it's so, it saves so much money to do things yourself. Crazy how much money it saves. We're on different sides of her husband can do anything. Okay. My husband probably could too. He's just like. (laughs) He doesn't care to, yeah. honestly. He works a corporate job. He's busy. It's not what he wants to spend his extra time on. Well, that's my husband. He could do it for me. Yeah. And on some things, he'd be like, okay. And usually it was like, okay, it's your birthday. What project do you want? And then I got to a point that was like, I will, I'm just going to do it myself. I don't want to wait around for him. Yeah. yeah I kind of realized like I was always bugging him being like, oh, so I really want to add board and batten in, you and know, And so is room. that your thing, woodwork? You like woodwork? I love woodwork, yeah. 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 I think it's really fun. Yeah. So then, I mean, the age of technology and information. And YouTube. You can learn anything. <laughs> YouTube University Seriously. all the way. YouTube, Google, other people. And it's, it's a challenge. It's fun because it incorporates a lot of things. I like home. I love doing things with my hands. I feel like it's very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. I love, it's kind of like a puzzle where you yeah, got to figure totally. it out. I love geometry. Well, and we're also sitting in the office here where we're staring at your new bookcase, your new built-in bookcase. I'm just so impressed. I Thank know, you. it's beautiful. You really have done such a good job. Thank you. It's fun. Well, um, anything else you want to touch on? I don't know. I guess the one thing I didn't talk about was hope. Yes. And yes. being Let's hopeful close on that. Yes. Yeah. During infertility, it's very hard to stay hopeful. And um, my where I learned what the true meaning of hope was and the purpose, because I felt like, what is the purpose of hoping for this one? My hope is what makes it so crushing every month because it feels like it's the hope when I'm so excited and I'm hopeful that it's going to happen that then it's like brings you lower when it's not. Right. And so one month I was like, I'm not going to be hopeful at all. We were doing an intrauterine insemination and I was like, I'm just not, I'm going to plan on it failing. And then when I get the negative, it won't be as painful. Mm-hmm. And when it got to the point that I got the results and it was negative, it was not as painful. It was slightly less painful because I planned on it that way. But I looked back at that whole month and I was so unhappy. Mm-hmm. Like I was so unhappy in comparison to the months that I had hope. And I learned that hope is not about 
the end result. It's about how you feel during the process. Well, and I really believe in the power of positive thinking. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying, oh my gosh, if you think happy, positive thoughts, it's going to cure your right, infertility. Right. Of course not. No, but it I, changes your... But I think like having the right headspace, yeah. the right mental, you know, yeah. space to kind of go through any hardship, like it does help you get through it. It helped me be happy. Yeah. It's just what I found in like my demeanor and the rest of the day. So like... What I determined was that the day that I found out it was negative was worse when I was hopeful, but then all the rest of the days were better. Mm-hmm. And that's worth it. Absolutely. I think we could all use a little more hope in, our, yes. in the world yeah. today. I mean, it's kind of a crazy, scary time for us. 2020, you guys. <laughs> what happened? What happened 2020? <laughs> I think we all could just put a little hope in, you know, our hearts and our minds to yeah. just like look for a better hope tomorrow for the future. because yeah. it's just, you know, it's been rough yeah. and it's been rough. And I think that's a great perspective. I mean, we may not get the end result right when we want it, but at least it's yeah. going to make the next few days a little better. I yes. hope. I hope, I hope. I know. <laughs> I, I love that. And I think we should wrap up on that. We usually do a hit and miss in every episode. Okay. But we, we went long on time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we'll just wrap on on that, on awesome. hope. And um, again, we're so grateful that no, you joined us. thank you us. for having me. Yes. And sharing so nice your story. Hang out with you guys. <laughs> I know. Seriously, I wish we lived in Utah. It would be fun to hang out. Come be my neighbor. She's our, <laughs> our kind of girl. But no, it's been, it, I mean, it's hard and raw and real to open up with such a, a story and I mean and just the heartache and loss but also your hope and I think you really I think so many women will benefit from your story well and for me it's been hugely educational <laughs> it, all, it honestly has like I've never really known the difference between IUI IUF the I, I don't know all the there's a lot of eyes and so I'm in no way Yes, knowledgeable about that's the only the only thing that's good yes. that can come out of infertility is helping others. Yeah, so it's been great. That's the only good thing. I know. Is bless, bless your and your babes. You and the, your well, of course the babes. Of course, but um, I would have been happy if the babes came without them. I know <laughs> it's true, but you were super vulnerable, and we really appreciate that. I think a lot of women need to hear this message. And if anything, like if they're not going through infertility, again, I think it helps you be a more compassionate friend, yeah. knowing the depth of the journey. Mm-hmm. And like how hard of a process it really is. So that's kind of the purpose here. So, okay. Well, um, give us your handle on Instagram. At Hunters of Happiness. At Hunters of Happiness. Your website is? Huntersofhappiness.com. There you go. (laughs) You guys go find her. She's a great follow. I don't even know how I stumbled upon you, Elise, but you're just a doll. I know. I know. And now we're friends. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, But um, yes, you can find us on um, Instagram mainly at the Mom Voice Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please go subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and a review. We are back every Monday with a new episode. And if you're ever in Arizona, you come, you come stay with us. Okay, I'll be there. Come back. Thanks so much for listening. Take care of each other.